HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Love Bites, coming at you live from Heritage Radio Network. Today is Monday, February 29th. Happy Leap Year Monday. Happy Leap Year. Uh, that means it's either going to be an amazing show or one of us is going to put our foot in our mouth. It's going to be amazing. What really are you talking horribly, about? It might be me. It's going to be, <laughs> if it's someone, it'll... I have a feeling it's uh, gonna, no, I'm it'll not be gonna me. Yeah. Listen, it's going to be perfect. Anyway, who am I? I'm Jacqueline Raposo, one of your hosts. I'm a food writer. You can find me as wordsfoodart.com. I'm 34, straight and single. Very interesting voice you're using I don't today. know what's happening today. I... <laughs> I am Ben Rosenblatt, your other host. I am an actor, writer, musician, occasionally a bartender and server. You can check me out at BenRosenblattActor.com. I am 33, straight, and single. Just single, that's it? Just, There's no qualifier there's no for that this week? Thing. I'm hungry. You're I'm, hung- I'm hungry. I, and I'm hungry. Hungrily I'm single. hungrily single. Um, for our second segment today, we're going to be joined by Tiago Silva. He is a pastry chef and the inventor of a very famous donut, and he met his wife when he was nine years old. Whoa. They didn't get married for a while after that. but They, they got married when he was 10. When he was 10. <laughs> it was Brazil. No, it wasn't Brazil. Um, so we're going to chat him up about young love and how the ups and downs of pastry ebbed and flowed with the ups and downs of dating and marriage, and what he com- he hopes comes in the future as he and his wife await the birth of the their second child. Oh, babies. Babies. But first, Benjamin. Yeah. Um, if you couldn't tell, I'm a little bit off today. I can't tell. You couldn't That's... by that really stupid, silly opening. I, I thought just, it was. I just put I thought upon it was the very world. endearing. I oh, must admit. Thanks. And your well, bangs today. I noticed when I. I do saw have bangs you. today. They're new. Um, they are new. They are new. Yeah. No, I'm just a little run down today. I don't feel very well, and I figured I should just say that because um, some people listen to the show now because I have written about dating. Uh, and relationships with a chronic illness. And so they know that I have this radio show, and I've had some messages from uh, wonderful people who read my pieces on Cosmopolitan and Elle and Blogger about how they're going to listen to the show because I talk about dating with an illness. So to you people out there not feeling very well today, neither do I. 
I don't have much of a brain and I'm very tired and my bones hurt. And so I'm a little bit percocitered up, but I'm happy to be here. Are you? Do you have any to share? <laughs> no, I don't have any to share. Okay. okay all right. I can't sorry. say I can't. <laughs> There's we'll legal later. ramifications of things like <laughs> we'll, that. Ben, we'll don't get me in right, trouble. We'll talk, we'll talk in the... Um, but I'm so happy to be here. I'm very, very happy that I get to do what I do and that I can do what I do. So, but the reason why I'm so tired and don't feel well is because I had a really good weekend. Oh, yeah? I did. You went on a date or two? I went two? on two dates Uh-oh. with two different people. Player. And they were both... Um, don't hate the player, hate the game. Is that a thing I is should know? Is that a phrase you've never heard? Don't play. Hate don't hate the, the player, player, hate the game. How does that apply to this scenario? I don't know. It doesn't. It's just because you've got so many men on your hands. I don't you know, have so many men like... on my hands. All I will say is that uh, I've met two gentlemen, and I had a really good time with both of them, and um, they have renewed my faith in dating. I haven't had like a really good date in many months, and I'm like blown away by what I'm learning about these two gentlemen, and I really, really enjoyed my time with both of them, which is why I'm a little sleepy right now. That's awesome that yeah. you have renewed faith. Renewed I mean, faith how in... great is that? Yeah. And interesting, good people that I find attra- who I find attractive. They are out there. Yeah. Anyway, and you had a first date this weekend. I did, and it was nice. I actually had like a just like a really nice conversation with this woman who I went out with. Actually, more than nice, it was stimulating and interesting, and we share some cool things in common and explored uh, some things that we don't have in common in like a insightful, interesting way. For me, there was no physical attraction, oh, and no. I kind of just like knew it as soon as I walked in. Oh, no. And so that's kind of probably where it's going to end for me, unfortunately. Although, like, I I would totally hang out with her again, but and it's, it's not going to go anywhere. And we've for me. talked about this before, but you don't feel like physical attraction could happen, could be developed. I don't think so. Like, I that's not typically how it works for me, or in my experience, how it's. Ever worked yeah, I think for me. I was, I was when I was listening through our the history of our shows today for our upcoming conversation. I think that's one thing you said, like episode three. Like, no, nope, if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's the kind of thing I know right away. So, unfortunately, as much as I really enjoyed my time uh, the other night, I think that's gonna be the last time I see her. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. Okay. Um, well, let's let's. That means I won't have any <laughs> emotional relationship baggage. Uh, to deal with I was like, from... how are we going to transition? My brain is <laughs> this so is, this dead. This is my terrible I'm happy segue. but stupid today. <laughs> Poor Tiago. <laughs> Tiago's wondering why he's here. Um, no, he's yeah. not. So Come transitioning on. from talking about our dates this weekend horribly, we didn't really contribute much to the to the world with those comments. But anyway, so how... All right, well, so now baggage. everyone knows. Everyone... Listen. Everyone is just dying to know when we're going to find love. <laughs> and now they know that you are a li- maybe a little bit closer and that I'm not. Don't use that word. It's only been two <laughs> dates and one date. Listen, love can happen in an instant. You're making me nervous. Did so? I just heard Dave through the wall. Going, oh. I couldn't tell if it was All like right, a, that's a sweet groan or if that was like a, oh, that's disgusting groan. I think we've lost half of the people who started listening to us today. <laughs> I don't know what is happening. I'm going to hate listening to this later. Anyway, baggage. That's what we're talking about today. That is our topic for the next six minutes relationship baggage we talked about baggage uh last season on our fourth show about just emotional baggage in general defining it as anything that stops you from moving forward with another human being so whether it's something that you've picked up from your your parent relationship throughout your childhood for me it was um about just sort of how my illness plays into me moving forward i think another point that you had mentioned was your fear of disappointing people and hurting people that you considered part of your baggage but today let's talk about specifically about relationship baggage 
like what you take from a previous from relationship a previous relationship like yeah something that's burned you from a previous relationship and how you sort of move past it so we brought in some you brought you from, I brought in the some great notes big from... research nerd that you are which is amazing yeah. um, you brought in a quote that struck me from yeah, why don't you uh, read it? a thread on Reddit yes um, and I'm gonna just read it really quickly and then we'll discuss it emotional baggage doesn't just go away when you've learned how to handle it. It mostly gets sorted and put in a closet. You're not carrying the load anymore, but you haven't gotten rid of it either. At some point with enough time and healing, you will be able to look back in your internal closet and be able to sort through it and decide if you want it around anymore. But it doesn't get thrown away immediately. So what did, why did that stick out to you out of all of the, the stuff I brought in? It sticks out to me because I don't think that emotional baggage per se is something that you get rid of it's something that shapes you and it informs who you are and the choices you make and the way you react to things moving forward um in i think a permanent way um in which is sometimes negative but also can sometimes be positive um and so i think baggage is an interesting term um because i think all emotional it's a like an emotional thing that happens and then we act differently moving forward um and so yeah i don't think it ever goes away i think it it's there and the, uh, and then again to the point it says and then you can decide once you've looked at it and said oh yeah i'm doing this whether or not you want to continue doing it or not i what sticks out for me just hearing you say that is whether to me i look at something as baggage is a bad thing i don't think about baggage as a good thing other than it's like other than in effect you know it's like yeah a, a bad thing happened to you, you got burned and by somebody else and you brought that hurt with you and then that hurt shaped you to make better choices or to be whatever whatever worked for you and so it's a good effect but when you said it could be good or bad like i still don't think of like oh a good thing that happened in a past relationship is good Baggage, no, 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 no. I mean, uh, yes, of course. You were talking you, about the effect of yes, the what effect, bad of baggage teaches you. So yes. a good effect from something that was negative. Absolutely. I agree with that. I don't, I'm not quite sure if the idea of like emotional baggage just doesn't go away when you learn to handle it because it, then it's just no longer baggage. If it becomes something that becomes a positive, then it's not baggage anymore. Then it's an experience that you've worked through and lived through and it's no longer something on your back. Does that make sense? So yeah. like that phrasing of it, like that it doesn't go away when you learn to handle it. I sort of think actually it does go away if you've learned to handle it because then it no longer is the, it no longer back. It's not the same thing anymore. Yeah, I mean, the emotional weight of it is gone. Right. But the effect of it is still there. Is lingering. Or, well, I think it, yeah, I mean, I, right. I think it become again, becomes part of your new decision-making process. Do you feel like you're still grappling with any negative baggage from a past relationship? Um, I think I've been shaped by my past relationships. Uh, but no, I don't think, I'm not currently emotionally burdened by things of the past. But yeah, I would say that my past relationships and past women I've dated have shaped me in such a way that now when I am dating, I act differently or I look for different things or I see different signals and interpret them in certain ways that I might not have prior. Was there, with something that was a specific negative type of baggage to you, was there a way that you were able to move past it? <sighs> Time. Time. Yeah, I think time is huge. I think, and you know, it's interesting because often it's, you know, people think that we need to get rid of our baggage or lose our baggage before we can move on to the next thing. And I often think it's like the next thing 
that helps us get past our baggage. Yeah, I think I've said at one point on the show that you don't really get over... I think in our unrequited episode with Lisa Phillips that like sometimes you don't really get over someone until someone else comes along totally. who makes you feel ha- as happy or happier or more excited and you don't have the time and the empty space to be thinking about this person who hurt you so much. Exactly, but outside of that, do you have any... like? techniques or tricks you've learned to no i think time like i i did feel like i had baggage for a while from one one negative experience with a relationship and i worried about it but i think i was also it took a lot longer to get over that relationship than i had expected anyway in a way that was completely illogical talk about like unrequited love like it just it took years which is ridiculous looking back for like what it was um and not that i didn't date throughout that and not that i didn't have positive experiences dating but i definitely had something lingering that i would call baggage which I just decided, I was like, well, I can let this shape how I trust falling for someone again, or I can just be aware of like, all right, am I, you know, am I not going to trust the emotions or feelings that are developing with a new person because I'm wary because of how badly I was hurt? And so far that hasn't come up. In what way, when you were more emotionally burdened by that issue, by that scenario, was that affecting the way you were dating when you were dating? I wasn't about to jump in as deeply emotionally as quickly as I am prone to. And which aside from the whole baggage thing, like that's just something to figure out about, you know, yourself. Some people jump in more deeply than others. And I think for a while I was just very wary of that. And then I decided that, no, I would rather live fully and deeply and genuinely for myself. If I, and the kind of relationship that I'm going to want, I want something that's going to be, you know, full and emotional and, you know, and big. I want big love in my life. Me too. And so it was recognizing that, like, I don't want this to hold me back from what I actually really want. So how much of that, then, your and that realization came, or your, sorry, your lack of willingness to jump into something was because you were afraid of being hurt the way you were? Or was it, or how much was it that, or how much is it that you were still hurt and I don't know, because I feel like it happened over such a long period of time, like the sort of getting through the morning and I wasn't really da- I also had like the health issues happening at the same time. So I wasn't exactly like trying something with somebody new and then recognizing this issue. It was more that like I recognize that this exists. I, I was very hurt. I was very hurt by this human being in a way that I didn't think could be possible. And so it was it was more about getting over the hurt and then looking and then when I was far enough out with time, like you said, just look, being able to look at it analytically and saying, okay, th- I was hurt this horribly. I could let this stop me from trusting somebody, you know, from trusting to really care about somebody in the future, or I could just recognize that it's there and not let it affect that. And then, and decide that to me, it's more important to be genuine and full and and real and to try. I would rather try to have a real deep, big love and, and get hurt again than to then to not than to play it safe totally so I, yeah yeah I, I can relate i had a similar experience where i was devastated by someone and it took me i know way, we were there for each other I know, you were so there for me when i feel I was like that's how this radio had. show came to be actually because we came together in this time of both being crushed yeah. by someone and started talking about relationships together friends are great um but anyway i i feel like the baggage that i carried with me from that for a little while was that because I was so hurt, it felt like that love or that relationship was so meaningful that I that anything that didn't instantly feel that meaningful was like not going to be worth it. Right. 
Um, and so it took me a while to believe that it could be again. Exactly. And believe yeah. that it doesn't necessarily or that that feeling is a not necessarily even indicative of a good relationship and b that you don't need that feeling to be able to enter into something meaningful. Right. I'm just happy today because I had <laughs> I had dates that made me feel like that can exist in life. Like just having people who make you really happy. It, I'm just happy today. That's all I'm, I'm going to say I'm about enjoying that. Enjoying this smile you've I got just, on your face. Really, I woke up tired but happy. Um, that's all I'm going to say. Good. Well, I hope you maintain that smile on your face while we take our short break. Um, but please, I just want to mention before our break that you can send your dating questions to us at lovebitesradio at gmail dot com so that we can bring back the segment we had when we first started this darn show which was super fun where we answered your questions with so, our guests not just us we promise yes, other people you will, will be talking about them too you will as you're now getting like, sick why would of our I ask you guys yeah for you advice. single idiots who can't manage to get into a relationship <laughs> um no we'll ask our our married happily um Coupled, suited yeah guests like uh, Tiago, who met think. his love when he was nine yes. years old. So send us your questions, and also stay tuned for the end of the show, where we're going to share our favorite bites and drinks of the week, and where you can get them. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy some music. We'll be back with Tiago Silva in just a moment. Hey, what's up? This is Jack Inslee, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio. And I want to talk to you about brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right. Sonic aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non-chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. The stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well. And they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled, American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. And we are back. Uh, formerly the executive pastry chef of the M Group, Tiago Silva has recently made waves in the media as his cinnamon roll donut. That's a cinnamon roll that bakes inside a donut while it fries. Oh my God, I'm so hungry right now and that it sounds incredible. It went viral for that very reason. Making its way onto the Chew, BuzzFeed, Thrillist, Cosmopolitan, Tasting Table by yours truly, Fox News, and many more. Uh, you can get the donut at Catch Restaurant in New York City, BT Dubs, if you live here. Uh, he is a winner of the fabulous Baker Boys episode of the cooking competition show Chopped 
and he donated his winnings to CCAP, the Careers Through Culinary Arts program that had him graduating high school and on his way into his professional career. His second child with his wife, Caroline, is on the way, so we're really thankful that Tiago could join us today. Welcome to the show, Tiago. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here. So... You were how old when you and Carolyn met? Where was, and where was this? I was nine years old. Um, it was actually in church, of course. Um, in church. First day in church. And uh, I looked over at my mom and said, Mom, that little girl right there, she's so cute. Oh, really? And, and uh, now he's married to her. My mom oh, turned around and said, you're going to marry her one day. And I no was like, way. no, I don't want to. Oh, and how long was it before you, did you talk to her? Um, we did. She was kind of annoying when she was little, and we didn't get along too much. She didn't like me. I didn't like her. What was annoying about her? Everything. She was a little stuck up, hey, smart, good did grades. Did you pull on her hair and annoy her? I tried as much as I could to bother her. So you were flirting with her. At least trying to get her attention somewhere, I tried. And then when did you start dating, and how did that happen? Um, we started dating after I grew out of my love handles and uh, you know got a little <laughs> skinny and finally caught her eyes. Um, I was 15. You and, were 15. Uh, 15 years old. So, and how old were you when you got married? I think we need to get the A, Bs, and Cs down Yeah, here. We, we got engaged. I was 20 when we got engaged. We got wow. married when I was 21. And, and do you mind if I ask how old you are now? Just so people can get a This is going to be our 10-year anniversary, so oh, I'm 31. Oh, wow. All right. So this is, this is a long timeline already. Um, so how, how, when you were 15 years old... And going through to, I guess, sort of when you were engaged and getting married, like what was going on with your professional career by that point? Like what were sort of the growing pains of your, the early point in your relationship when you're figuring out both who you want to be with in your life and the work that you want to do? Well, when you're 15, you're not really thinking about your wife or anything. You're just trying to have a, a girlfriend. And, you know, we kept it going for a while. And I think we broke off once. And I think that one time where we broke off for a little bit, I realized, man, I miss her. She's my wife, you know, and I was 19 at the time. Um, and that's actually when I started working in the industry, and um, and it was it was rough at first, not knowing where I wanted to go in the industry, not knowing if I wanted to do pastry or savory, figuring things out, um, planning a wedding. You know, we don't make much as pastry cooks in the industry, so um, it was very tough. And she was in college; I was helping her uh, through college. And were making, you living together? Were you close by? Uh, we actually moved in the day we got married, which is very rare. It's not as old school. That's that what is, that is. That is, that is very so, old school. Yeah, so you're Brazilian. My family's Portuguese. A lot of my cousins is the same thing. They just they get married, and that's when you move out of, out of mom's house. It is, and that was the hardest year for, for us, I think. Um, yeah, you know, usually you say it's the honeymoon stage, but it was it was the hardest year. Cause, A lot of adjustment. Yeah, I never lived alone. What was the hardest thing that you had to cope with of living with her? Oh, my God. Just one? <laughs> <laughs> I think we both make sacrifices, but I don't know. She, there's not one thing that really stands out as, a, as a, you know, a big burden. I think we all have our little nitpicks of certain things, but nothing really jumps at me, actually. Well, for those who daydream about dating a chef and getting married to a chef, since it's a, you know, it's a very attractive profession right now, what were the hardest things about, especially, you know, you said she was in college, you were getting married. Where were you? Were you... You weren't. You had gone through CCAP at that point, so you were professionally working. Like, what are those? What are those really conflicting things in a relationship, especially a young one, when you are forging your career as a chef? Yeah, I mean, it's mainly the long hours and you know not making a crazy amount of money. Um, but I would say that the hardest thing is you know opening a restaurant from from the beginning. And, and at that point, I remember not seeing my wife. I would literally wake up to go to work. She would be sleeping. I would come home from work. She would be sleeping. Um, so that was a very, very tough time. But the main thing is having communication, being open, telling her 
about the plans and projects and being like, hey, in three months you're not going to see me because I'm going to be screwed. Here's a question. You've been with your wife for a really long time. You're comfortable with her. But then there's this time where you're like not seeing her a lot. You're on the rise. You're gaining success and a little bit of fame from this donut. Is there ever a time where you're like, man, I've been with her so long. I'm not seeing her. I'm getting all this new attention. Like, how does that play into maintaining a relationship? Or is it just the degenerate like me who thinks like, ooh, that would be... a saucy question, Ben. Well, that is a saucy question. I mean, you get attention and you got to know how to behave yourself. And and didn't, weren't you one of the 10 sexiest chefs in something? I forget what was that. What was that? You say like, you're saying like, yeah, I was one of the... (laughs) I'd be be like, yeah, I was. But it was People Magazine. People Magazine. 10 sexiest chefs of 2015, 14? 2015. Wow. And so did you get like, were you getting like all sorts of like emails and stuff after that from, you know? I I try to stay away from that. And I also, you know, I come home and I tell my wife, hey, you know, look, honey, you're married to, uh, you know. And she just looks at me like, oh, please. (laughs) She's so unimpressed. Yeah, no, she's. Got to potty train the kid, get into the bathroom. (laughs) Yeah, go potty train James. And Uh and that that should do it. So I'm not going to let you off the hook here. How does one deal with those outside um, it's, it's it's tough, but I think once you 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 know, I think we all go to in a certain point in a relationship where you're like, man, I got married young. Everybody asks me, what if you didn't? You know, what would you be doing? Now you have all this fame. What would you be doing? And I, the question I always ask myself is, uh, where would I be without her and, and my son in my life? And honestly, I can't picture it happening. So I would never put myself in the position to allow that to happen. Hear that, Caroline? Nice. It's a great answer. Great answer. Good Love job. You. <laughs> Love you. Love you. I thought I was going to get you in trouble, but I think I actually just scored you some points. Exactly. Um, so you recently left M Group and Catch Restaurant. You'd been there for six years, and that's been two months since you, for the first time in you know well over a decade, you don't have to be somewhere every day. So what, uh, what's been both like the good thing about this time and the scary thing about this time for you? I mean, it's been, you know, I just moved, so it's been great um, settling in. My wife's pregnant and just enjoying uh, that a little bit. And my son is just going through all kinds of stages every day. It's something new with him. And um, he's obviously got a lot more energy than me, and, and it's hard to keep up. And it's great being home all the time and with him. And I told my wife to get a job so she can be my sugar mama and I'll stay home. Uh, but that won't happen because I, I can't keep up with James. He's got too much energy for me. Um, but it's it's been really great, and I've just been taking it all in. And obviously there's the worries about, you know, finding my next home, my next place to, to be in. And, you know, I'm just rolling rolling with the punches right now. But it's been fun. Can't complain. Well, what do you hope the next challenge will bring? Um, hopefully it's something big, you know, there's a lot of plans, a lot of talks going on right now. And, you know, hopefully it's something of my own. I, I don't know, but who knows? Just put it out into the universe. Just put it out into the if universe. anybody has a couple million dollars sitting I'm in their here. bank account, he's I'm, got a plan. I got plans. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> Can you describe the donut? Can I describe the donut? So it's actually a brioche style donut and inside the donut, it's actually a raw cinnamon roll that actually proofs together with the dough and it actually bakes while the donut itself is frying and there's like a ooey gooey cinnamon caramel around it so once you open it it's all this ooey gooey caramel cinnamon running out and glazed with some cream cheese frosting as well so it's delicious uh, i don't know why i asked that i'm so hungry right and now that's and what I'm you bring like, home to the wife and you so make her happy that's there you go exactly 
Damn, I need one of that. Actually. You look really happy right now, Ben. <laughs> I want that donut. So how did so Tiago? You and I met a couple weeks ago just to catch up and you know and see what was happening in your life. And we were going through all of the attention this donut has gotten. Which you left the restaurant. The donut is there. You are not anymore. And now you're all over the internet and on the chew. And just people are are going insane. Your forty five thousand Instagram followers or something like that are going insane over this donut. So how does I mean how does that feel to have you've made this is not the first time you've done awesome nostalgic sort of mashups together you've done s'mores pizza and you've done apple jacks pop tarts and you've done waffle towers and ben is looking really i want all of those things (laughs) yeah so you have these really creative sort of nostalgic pastries and this one is going crazy like how does it feel i mean it feels good you know i work hard trying to think outside the box and do things a little more unique so you know and i didn't push press on anything and, and you know have somebody try to pitch it out there just organically did its own thing and you know, I did it for Catch, and you can find it at Catch, and everyone can go there and try it on the menu. I'm very proud of it, but, you know, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to come up with next. That's so what I'm looking at. What is your favorite of your own creations, and what is your wife's favorite? My favorite and my wife's favorite, yeah. so there you go, is actually a Aww. sticky coconut cake dessert that I made uh, for um, Catch. Or actually, it was for the general, but it's at Catch. It's a coconut water sorbet with sticky coconut cake, mango sauce, coconut cream, Shiso lime sauce, a uh, little candied pistachio, braised pineapple. It's one of my favorite desserts. Is that the one that has the coconut shell too? Yes. So yeah, so if people go on, go and look on Instagram and look on Catch's menu, and it looks like a coconut shell, and it's sorbet, but it looks like a coconut. Like the actual sorbet is, is a, sh- a coconut shell. Like it's like brown and it looks fuzzy, and then it's got like you know white on the. It looks like a coconut shell. It's very very beautiful. That's impressive. Yeah, it's very impressive. Um, so you've got a second child, and you got little baby James. He's almost three. You've got a second child. And what is his cake going to be? His cake, cake, he wants a Paw Patrol. A I want a Paw pa- Patrol cake. A Paw Patrol? What is it? Paw Patrol is like a little dog cartoon thing that wow. hero dogs that save people, animals, <laughs> I things. I have kids. I'm completely, this is like completely <laughs> exactly. over my head. What was his cake last year? His cake last year was a three foot tall Elmo. Right. That oh, was the wow. Cake. Yeah, so Tiago has some time, and he makes these insane celebration cakes. He actually taught me how to make a wedding cake. He was one he of did. the three I... chefs who helped me fly to a little island in the Caribbean and make a wedding cake. He's very good, much better at making them than I am, very no, good at great. teaching. Uh, but yeah, these celebration cakes, again, which you can see on his Instagram and Facebook, are ridiculous. But So you've got, you've got little baby James turning three. You've got another one on the way. What are your goals right now as like in the, for the longevity of your career um, for your family? Like what, how far do you see, how far do you see yourself? There's a skip on the record. Skipping record. How far do you see yourself going in your career? As far as I could, you know, I mean, I, there's definitely a lot of plans. Ownership is one of them. And obviously everything I do, I'm thinking of my family first and trying to see how I can provide, you know, my wife. Obviously, with the with the birth of our second child, won't be working. So I'm always thinking, you know, what else can I take on to to provide for my family? And that's really the most important thing when making a decision these days. Are you worried about the time you won't get, like the sort of the, how how hard you need to work and the next project, like how that's sort of going to take away from the time you're going to get with James and baby number two? Yeah, it's definitely the hardest. The hardest part of my career was when James was born, and I remember leaving him home the first day I had to go to work after he was born it was it was very rough and uh um you know but you have to make sacrifices and you know it's for them and the most important thing is when you have time to make time for them you have to do it you know I know you might be tired sometimes from all this stress but you just have to put a a smile and and play with them and um you know enjoy them while they're this 
this this stage in their life because they grow up so fast and i know that's a cliche but i'm living it and this kid's just you know pooping in the toilet already man Yay. <laughs> congratulations uh one last question for you i think a lot of what what is very heartening for me when we ask chefs about having children is that there is this level of sacrifice. And I feel like we still live in an age of like helicopter parenting when people want to be their kid's best friend and they want to be their kid's teacher and they want to be their, you know, give their kid everything. And it's, um, which is really hard when you have such a, a job that takes up so much of your time. So what do you hope that your kids will learn from the sacrifices that you are making so that you can have a career that demands a lot of your time and physical energy and have a family as well. Um, I think it's important for them to see that I am working hard. I am doing the best I can for them. But I am taking time and, and having, you know, family outings and investing in family because, you know, at the end of the day, that's uh, that's all you really have. And I think family values goes a long way. And, and you know, making sure they see that that's really happening and there's an effort there to, to keep that happening. Um, I honestly think that's one of the most important things. I mean, you had that from your mother, too, growing yeah, up. Your for mother sure. worked a billion jobs while you and, your, when you and your sister were growing up. And she did, and she worked super hard. And I'm sure if she could, she would have probably said, you know, I wish I spent a little more time with you guys. But I knew why she was working hard, and, you know, we all, we all knew why she was working hard. And it was all for us. It wasn't something she was doing for herself to buy herself, you know, nice things. It was for us. Good parents make good kids. Yeah. Well, um, we're going to keep you around for our final segment. But uh, before we get to that, uh, listeners, you can find Tiago's Pastry Insanity on Instagram and Twitter as at Chef underscore Tiago. That's T-H-I-A-G-O. And on Facebook as Chef Tiago Silva. Thanks for uh, thanks for dishing and spilling, T. For sure. We appreciate it. Uh, so before we head out, though, we're going to spend a couple minutes sharing our favorite bite or drink of the week very quickly so you guys can sort of nosh on something we've enjoyed recently. Tiago, what you got? So I actually went last week to a, a good buddy of mine. It's called uh, June Men Ramen. It's in uh, uh, 25th Street, 9th Avenue. Really awesome ramen shop. He just opened a little while back. And he blew me away with this little mushroom bun he had. And I was like, you know, I want a pork bun because I'm a pork type of guy. And he brought me this, you know, mushroom bun. And it blew me away. It tasted like meat, and it's totally vegetarian, and it was crispy and had an amazing texture to it, and it was delicious. Um, but everything that he served me that day was really, really good, and, you know, hats off to June. I, 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 I worked with him when he had a dream of opening a ramen shop, and his dream just, you know, became a reality. So he's killing it. It was really good. Yeah, get in there, people. Awesome. awesome. I love ramen, so I'm going to check it out. Awesome. What about you, Benny? Uh, well, I took my date the other night to Casa Lula a wine bar in Hell's Kitchen where I don't oh, I usually that. hang out there um, in Hell's Kitchen, but I was coming from a rehearsal. She works in the area, so that seemed like a decent spot, and like the Yelp reviews were hot. So we went there. I had two glasses of their Nebbiolo, which was mm. fantastic, and we didn't actually get to eat, but the food looked incredible. They have this open... We were sitting at the bar, and the kitchen is like behind the bar. So they just like you're just watching everything made in front of you, and they kept making these shrimp tacos that looked unbelievable with like avocado salsa verde and like corn and cojita uh, cheese, and I was, you know, 
I'm fucking hungry right to, now. I'm so hungry right hungry. now that like any talk of food is like kind of oh, pissing me off. Well, I've actually. got a really good one too. Go for it. Um, so last Friday I went to Le French Diner on Orchard Street, which I'd been to a while back with Shane Lyons, one of our guests from last season, took me there, and um, and so I went back like at eleven o'clock last night. Last night, last week after Robbie Gill, after we saw Robbie Gill play um, down at Rockwood, which was, which was an amazing show. So the date and I went to the French diner and had this like grilled baby squid. And out of all of the things that we ate, it was the grilled baby squid that just like blew my mind. It was just like perfectly cooked, a little bit charred, did the day nice like and too? juicy. He did. Okay. He did. Um, he's a, yeah, he's a good eater. Uh, so yeah, so the French diner, the grilled baby squid was definitely the best thing that I ate there that just I'm so glad we got it. Uh, yeah, so that's my my favorite little bite. Um, well, boys, is there anything else you want to say before we sign off for the day? We'll talk about the perks that later. <laughs> well, the place you went to, Casalulu, is actually my sous chef's, my old sous chef's favorite place to take on a first date. Really? It's a good date spot. I'm definitely going back there again on uh, All right, uh, I'm gonna, It's I'm a good spot. The only thing is I don't now. love to hang out in Hell's Kitchen. But, but it's, it's convenient, though. Spot. It's very convenient. It's like, I'm always looking for more places in Hell's Kitchen to go. Yeah, so well, that's a good one. Go there. It's the wine is delicious, cute decor and ambiance, and I kept like reading about the awesome food and seeing the awesome food. And Why didn't so you I'm get any like, food? Because I don't know. Because we just I was like, "You hungry?" She was like, "Not really." And then so we just kind of like didn't. Oh, eat. that's a sign. That's why he's hungry now. That's why he's yeah. hungry now. He, well, this was like four days ago. I've eaten since then. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, uh, thank you, thank you, boys. Um, Tiago, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. So really much, appreciate Tiago. you having here. That is our show for today. Come back next week for the super sexy handsome actors show. I'm so excited. We've got. Joel Rubin Gantz, Jonathan Weiner, and our very own Ben Rosenblatt dishing about how. What? <laughs> what was that? What was that again? Uh, you, oh, yeah, by the way, this is what you're doing next week. You are dishing about how dedicating your life to the craft of acting makes its way into the restaurants you sometimes serve in, as well as how the ups and downs of a creative career affect long lasting love. Be prepared. I'm, I'm not going easy on you next week, Benny. Until then, thanks to our engineer with the mostest, David, and our sponsor, Copper and King. Our theme song is You Better You Bet, covered by Robbie Gill, and we are Jacqueline Raposo and Ben Rosenblatt. We'll be back at the same time next week here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. See ya. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.